Um, I don't see a clock in the, anywhere in here, and that's a dangerous thing. But I do have a watch, and it says quarter to noon. When am I supposed to stop? <laughs> when I... Okay, all right. I'm just checking. Well, before I begin, I want to say something about when I end, and that's not the time that I'm going to end, but I got two things to give away for free. I brought them all the way from Texas. One is a, a globe keychain. If that will help remind you to pray for the missionaries whose names were read with nobility and dignity this morning, for whom we prayed, if that will remind you, then take one. Don't be ashamed to take something away for free. It, it, don't, don't be you know, bothered by the fact that I had a, an expert craftsman, jeweler, make these things and at great expense brought them all the way from Texas to New York to give away free of charge. Uh, and don't let your kids handle them because they'll break really. <laughs> That's how expertly they were crafted. But then a poster that reminds you that there's dark places in the world for which we can be praying and asking God to implant and send the light. The kind of things which we just uh, sang in that great hymn just now. Thank you, Tim, for that. Um, so I got those two things to give away. Usually, you know, you're used to guest speakers saying, would you do something for my mission? I'm, I want to give something for you, all right? So let's switch the tables today. So uh, see me about that. If that helps keep you awake the rest of the time, then good. Uh, the thought of free stuff, you know, like sometimes jazzes people up. So, so uh, stay awake now. Then I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke The Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. If you think your way through the scriptures, you realize that Luke 16 follows Luke 15. That's always a good thing to know. Uh, And mathematically, your chapters go in order. And Luke 15 is that famous passage in which Jesus tells about the heart of the Father that seeks the lost. Luke 16 is going to encourage us to take part in a very practical way in enacting that heart in the world, to be world changers both globally as represented by the flags around our room this morning and locally as represented by the license numbers on the cars in our parking lot this morning uh, and the rooftops that you can see through the trees uh, around us here, acting both locally and globally to be world changers. Uh, What I particularly think God wants for us in this passage uh, is to invite us to examine what we've got and use it for local change. Because, to be quite honest, let's go ahead and and admit it, and let's put our cards out on the table right now. If we don't give a flip about changing hearts locally, why should we export that somewhere else? If we don't really care about trying to penetrate uh, Lake Grove and New Village, if New Village is an area, uh, or Long Island... If we don't care about that, then why should we export someone and applaud someone who leaves here to go do it somewhere else? So I think that's what God wants to invite us uh, to do. Some of, for some of you, this is your first hearing of any of my uh, topic or theme for the weekend, and that's great. Uh, what we've been focusing on is changing the world. And what we looked at, uh, other than Friday night, which was a blast with the young people, but on Saturday night, uh, what we looked at was What is a a world-changing perspective we might have as a group of people, as a corporate body, how we might participate not only in changing our worlds locally, locally, but also globally, as as we produce disciple-makers in our church body? And then what we looked at just now in the the hour before 
was how do we engage in that task meaningfully? It's got to change in our hearts and where we, how we pray. And I encouraged every single person in the room. You dodged it if you weren't there. But I encouraged every single person in the room to grab an unreached people group. If you got to, grab a nation. Grab something that's meaningful to you and go to bat for them in prayer before God. Put your body between a holy God who judges and a people deserving of judgment and say, God, have mercy. And experience the thrill of being in that path of asking God for compassion on a people who don't deserve it. Just like we did not and do not deserve it. And this, now I want to turn our eyes to a, a story. Uh, I've called it a good lesson from a bad example. That's not an original title with me, but it certainly fits it. Uh, how to take something positive from someone who did something negative. How to uh, apply a great lesson from someone who, was, uh, who did scandalous behavior and, uh, in fact, was praised by the master who represents the voice of God in the story. Um, Let's just start by reading the story that Jesus told. And so I invite your attention to verse 1 of Luke 16. Now he, the Hebrew being referred to as Jesus, master storyteller. Now he was saying to his disciples, I think that's an interesting because he's talking to people who've already made some measure of commitment to him and his teachings and his life. There was a rich man who had a manager. And this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an accounting of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master has taken the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to go out and beg. Ah, I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, People will welcome me into their homes. That was his idea. Now what was his action? And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. Began saying to the first, How much is it that you owe my master? And he said, A oh, hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Quick, take your bill. Sit down, quickly, write fifty. Oh, baba. <laughs> then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill, write 80. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relationship to their own kind, own kind than are the sons of light. Now Jesus tells his application. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you, those friends, will receive you into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you've not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give to you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one, love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in wealth. Jesus tells a story that's all too familiar in our land this day. 
It's just somebody losing their job. I dare say I look out on a congregation where some of you are jobless and may have been for some time, and you are praying like crazy God would open the door for you. This is about a man losing his managerial position, uh, losing his job. He is losing it not because of a bad economy, but because of his bad actions. In other words, the master has received a report that he has been skimming off the top and using it for himself. He's got a fishing boat on the North Shore that nobody knows about that he bought with company funds and, and put it in his name. He's been skimming off and cheating the company. The master hears about it. He calls him in and says, what's this I hear? And without really waiting for an answer, he says, look, you got some time. Get your books together. Come in here and give me a report because you have lost your job. Do you mind me telling you that God, the master, has told you you got limited time in your employment? What I mean by that is that your name is already on the to-be-cut list. And what I mean by that is that we all have a, we're all short-timers. Our job will not last forever. And some of us in this room are closer to death than others, but all of us will lose our temporary employment on this world. There's a sense of urgency about what we, are, what we need to do in this period of time like this manager has between when he's been told he's going to be fired and when he makes his report and the, the, uh, they usher him out of his work and take away his company keys and, and, all of his, and he takes all of his stuff out in a box to go to his car and leave. We have a short amount of time to do what we need to do with what we've been given. The story goes on that the master says, now, make your report, report to me, and then you've lost your job. Immediately, this manager, who's gotten kind of soft in a rather, he seems like he's got an office job. He's kind of got a cushy position, and he takes stock of his resources. He looks at his muscles and feels the strength of his back and says, mm ain't no days like that. I'm not going to be big, and I'm not doing construction work. I'm not going out and doing manual labor. I, I'm not fit for that anymore. I'm soft. I'll get blisters. I, I'll, I'll, I just, I'm not made for that. And he says, and there's no way I'm going to go on the corner and wash windows or stand at the door and hold out a cup or be at an underpass and ask people to give me I'm not begging. You, no, I'm not doing that. What do I do? He's desperate. And then being the shrewd manager that he is, he comes up with a plan. <laughs> so he gets on the phone and he begins to call all the, all the sub-accounts that he oversees. He says, look, can you come by my office? Uh, and it's kind of urgent. I'd, I'd like you to come by. And if you don't mind, take the back driveway. Um, yeah, they're doing some construction out by the front where the master's window is. Come the back way. Uh, yeah, 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 do that. Yeah, and I'll meet you here in a little while. So they come in, they come as he's arranged it to be kind of discreet and quiet. And say, nah, tell me, I can't remember exactly. Tell me what it is that you owe my master. Let's just refresh my memory. He said, well, it's 100. Tell you what, between you and me, let's cut that in half. <laughs> well, what, what debtor wouldn't say, well, that's a good deal. He, he writes it down. Okay, we'll cut it in half. Man, that is so cool. I'll tell you what, well, we'll see you tomorrow at the tennis, tennis match, and, and we'll get together. Yeah, 
Yeah, tomorrow at Starbucks and, and, and bagels. Good. Oh, yeah. Good to see you. I, mean, I tell you what, no one's ever cut a deal like this for me before. said, think nothing of it. You know, the master, he's, he's had a good year. It, it, things have been great. So just, we'll see you later. Okay. And so his debtor walks out to the car thinking, man, I just got my debt cut in half. Is, is this a good deal or what? The master is somebody cool. He calls in a succession of other debtors. And each one, he cuts their debt by a hefty percentage. And this is like better than the best bailout plan that Obama ever came up with. You know, it's like we're cutting everybody's mortgage by 50 and 20 percent and and sending them out. This is the big this is the bailout of the village. And everybody is so excited. And here it is, the, the steward, the manager doing it all in the name of the master. Before long, there are parties being had, held in every every village, every house in the village. And they're singing songs. And whose name is the her- name of the hero in all the songs that they're singing as they raise a toast? They're raising a toast to the master. Because this master is so generous. That guy up on the hill that has that big company that everybody knows how much money he makes. He has suddenly cut everybody's debt and they are just so excited. And word gets back, as it does in these villages, words get back to the master that he has become the hero of the town. And everybody loves him. And, and they just think so highly of him that he's been so compassionate and generous. And he looks, he walks through the, the village and he hears the songs and his name being praised. And he looks over there and he sees this steward who just by an act of, a crooked act of deception has cheated him out of all this money. And he looks at him and he looks at the villagers that are celebrating his name. And he looks at him, and he hears those praise songs, and he says, Dude, i got to hand it to you. You really pulled a good one. There's no way that the master can go and say, Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. This is, this is all a big mistake. He's a crook, and I'm a mean guy who wants every last penny out of all of you. He can't do that. He's been put over a barrel. He's been praised in the village. And so he has to give in to this, this man's dastardly, wicked plan in order to save himself. What has he done, this man? Now, not only is the master being praised in all of these circles, but this manager who's, <laughs> who's lost his job, and I'm sure the master didn't, wasn't fully able to explain that to everybody, but now every party, he becomes the, 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 the main guy. He's the, he's the toast of the party. Everybody says, let's invite the manager over. Man, remember what he did for us? And so all over town, he's welcomed in. So we're left with the master praising this crook for the shrewdness of his behavior. And then Jesus turns to us and he says, you who are disciples of mine, be just as shrewd as that crook. Use the, what he called the mammon of unrighteousness, just the word for money. Use dirty money for holy purposes. I'd like to broaden out the lesson, if you will. And that is, yeah, we're all temporary. Our job is up. The gig is almost over. We're all going to die soon. We have a master to please, and we have a future to prepare for ourselves. And the future ain't here. The future's up there. And we have, all of us, certain resources. Let's go beyond money to all kinds of things. 
We have all things, lots of things placed into our hands. And Jesus looks across the ages, not just to this circle he told this story to, but through their eyes, then he looks down at us at New Village and he says, and I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of these resources so that when your management, your job is taken away from you, they, they will, meaning those friends you have made, will welcome you into eternal dwellings. We named, or tried to anyway, we did a good job at it, Mark, of trying to name all the nations represented by the flags around the room. If we use our resources well, there will be Japanese and Israelis and Czechs and Americans and, Jap- and others welcoming us into eternal dwellings. If we use our resources well. My question is, Also, how will we use our resources locally? What, if we want to say, what mammon of unrighteousness has been placed into your hand? What kind of resource has been placed in your hand? I'm looking at a wealthy group of people, and I don't necessarily mean that financially. Some of you know where the best bagels are on Long Island. I know. Some of you make the best chicken soup. In this community. Some of you know where the, the best fishing holes are and when they bite on the North Shore. And you got a boat to get people there. Some of you could give guitar lessons to Bon Jovi. <laughs> Some of you have a great talent at music. Some of you, you're one of those geniuses that knows how to do, you, you can beat H&R Block when it comes to doing taxes. You just, somehow, you figured it out, and you get yours done first, fastest of anybody in your community, and then you sit there like, Haha, I'm all done. And you could teach somebody else how to do that. Some of you are really great at math, and there's a high school or a junior high that's looking for mentors in that subject. Some of you can throw a party like nobody knows how to throw a party. And you can welcome people into yours or go and hold them for others. Some of you have a skill in how to put together a resume and how to handle an interview. And there are people in this community waiting to be taught, man, how do I find my next job? And they could sit in your living room and learn from you. Some of you just have a knack at talking to teenagers. Some of you have a knack for enfolding young professionals. There's just something about you that you click with them. And God put that resource into your hand. Everything I've just put on the list, and a million more that you could more creatively come up with than I just have, is a resource God put to you into your hand. It's some, a tool you have. And God says, how would you like the thrill of constantly using that resource to make eternal friends. Some of you might know how to do rollerblading with the best of them or uh, scootering out here in the parking lot or how to do tricks on a bike. There's some young people out here on Friday nights that would be wowed by that. Um, Whatever it is, God's put something into each one of your hands that you could use for global world change and local world change. You could find out how to reach people in your neighborhood 
who now don't know Jesus. We haven't given him a second thought, but they would love guitar lessons, or they love tax help, or they love chicken soup, or they love to go fishing with you, or whatever it is that is your expertise. Some of you have box seats at, at Yankees games, or, or the Knicks, if, if you care to watch either of those anymore. I'm not sure which is doing better. I guess the Yankees, right? Um, but you have some tool in your hand that God invites you. Put that to use. And then in some eternal time frame, some, some time out in eternity, when you go to heaven, there's going to be somebody on your same block or in your office or in your fishing club or, or wherever, whatever you're con- in your classroom, or wherever it is, wherever your, social, your circles of influence are, there's going to be people there who say, he's finally here. They welcome you into heaven, into their dwelling. He said, look, first hundred years in heaven, you're living in my place. <laughs> You know, we're providing you the food instead of you bringing us the chicken soup. We are going to take care of you here in heaven because you got us here. We are here because of you. And you will have the thrill of being welcomed into heaven by a group of people for whom you used your temporary resource for eternal purposes. And the master (laughs) will sit across the city of heaven and look at you and say, shrewd job, dude. (laughs) Way to go. Don't you just hunger for that kind of impact? Don't you just, something in your heart, say, yes. That's what Jesus made me for. To touch others' lives with simple, some simple resource he put in my hand. For some of you, yes, it might be money to help support a missionary. For some of you, it may be, not be money, but you, God has just given you a special capacity for in-depth, intensive praying that others don't seem to have. And you just labor in prayer. Do it. Go for it. God bless you. Do it. But find what it is that you have. What I'd like you to do right now is to take a pen, pencil, paper, your iPhone, wherever you restore, wherever you could use to put in some data. And what I'd like you to write down is one resource that the Holy Spirit has prompted your mind to think of that you have. Just what's one thing? Something on that list or something way beyond that list I just gave. And write it down. Take an inventory of your skills and capacities and loves and passions and abilities. And write down one of those skills. And then think of how that skill could be used for eternal purposes. How could I leverage that particular capacity or passion for God's purposes in my neighborhood, in my office, on my campus, uh, in my, among my relatives. Think of how you could leverage that particular skill to make a friend for eternity. And then I'd like you to do one more thing. Write down a name. Not yours. Someone else's. A name of someone who you know does not yet know Jesus. Write down that name and make a plan in your brain, in your heart, before God, the Lord of the harvest, the master. Make a plan on how you might leverage that skill with that particular person for eternal purposes. I can't wait. I think I'm going to die sooner than most of you. I just have that feeling. I had heart, open heart surgery almost two years ago now, and 
who knows how long that thing's going to keep lasting. Pretty good, healthy heart. But nevertheless, I just think that God's given me a limited number of years, 10, 15, I don't know. But I'm going to get there. And I can't wait to meet the people who God has used me to influence and welcome me into eternal dwellings. I can't wait to watch as you enter and see the clump of people that get get the news you're headed there and who gather around the gate, if there is such a thing, um, and wait for your entrance and say, man, had you not done, and fill in the blank, I'd never have been here waiting for you. Had you not influenced me by means of, and you fill in the blank, I'd never experienced Jesus' grace and mercy. But because of you, welcome. We're going to party forever here. And when Jesus throws a party, we party hardy. Do it for Jesus' sake. Do it for love of him. Do it for the creative joy of experiencing life to the full. It's what he made you for. If New Village will be doing that locally, Jesus, Lord of the harvest, will take care of deploying some of you globally or bringing some people to you who need to be doing, using their resources and leveraging their skills globally. He'll make sure that none of it's wasted. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for what you've given us. Give us passion and joy and liberty and intentionality to use it for you that people might welcome us into your, your blessed eternity awaiting all of us. In the name of Jesus, Lord of the harvest, Lord of the nations, amen.